Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and today I want to talk about caffeine. Have you noticed that you're drinking more coffee or more Diet Coke in sobriety? Recent surveys from the National Coffee Association have found that about 70% of Americans drink coffee every week and 62% drink it daily. I'm actually surprised that it's that low, but surveys on people in AA found that 90% drink coffee daily. So that's a big difference. I've noticed a lot of people mentioning that they drink way more coffee in recovery, so I thought I'd try to find out why we do that. 
In this episode, you'll learn how caffeine affects the brain, how the brain adapts when we drink a lot of coffee regularly, and some really interesting information about caffeine and cravings for alcohol. I'll also compare caffeine to alcohol for a few factors like addictiveness, tolerance, and withdrawal. And I'd also like to dedicate this episode, since it's about coffee, to all of the lovely people who bought me a coffee to support my work. The link for that is always in the show notes if you ever want to get me a Starbucks. So let's dig in. study from Vanderbilt University that was published in Alcoholism Clinical and Experimental Research found that 90% of people who attend AA drink coffee. And of these, 33% drink more than four cups of coffee a day. They said that they drink coffee because it makes them feel better, helps them concentrate, and helps them be more alert. Other surveys on the general public have found that about 62% drink coffee daily. So comparing this to the 90% of people in recovery drinking coffee, there has to be something to it. There has to be some reason that we're drawn to drink extra coffee or extra Diet Coke or whatever it is. I know in my experience, I started drinking more coffee in sobriety. I was always a one coffee in the morning type of person, but now I sometimes have two coffees a day. So it's not a huge deal, but I never had two coffees before sobriety ever. Caffeine is less addictive than alcohol because it doesn't act on our reward system and cause changes to it. Alcohol can actually change our reward system to make it feel more rewarding. It's thought that people in recovery are drawn to caffeine because it's stimulating, but it doesn't activate our reward pathway so we can get like a bit of a buzz without the negatives. There are some ingredients in coffee that are produced during the roasting process and studies have found that they bind to the mu opioid receptor in the brain and can actually reduce the effectiveness of morphine to reduce pain. If you remember way back in episode 11 when I talked in a lot of detail about opioid receptors, endorphins, morphine, and opioids... I said that they all bind to the mu opioid receptor in the brain, which leads to a release of dopamine and a reduction in pain. Alcohol releases endorphins, so that's the connection there. Now, trexone is used to block opioid receptors. So if you drink alcohol or use drugs, you won't get the euphoric effect because endorphins or the drug itself won't be able to bind to the mu opioid receptor and stimulate the release of dopamine. So caffeine almost works like a mini naltrexone, where it partially blocks the mu receptor and prevents morphine from binding and causing a reduction in pain. So it doesn't fully block it, obviously, it's not that powerful, but it does partially block it and reduce the effectiveness of morphine. It's also thought that caffeine may reduce cravings and help prevent relapse. So even though you're not thinking about this when you drink coffee, it may be helping with your cravings for alcohol. 
So that might be one reason that we're drawn to it. In episode 33, I talked about why we feel so tired in early sobriety. So check that one out because it was one of my favorites. Basically, alcohol is eventually broken down into something called acetate, which travels to the brain and can be utilized instead of glucose for energy. So when you're tired and you have a drink to feel energized, the alcohol is actually providing you with energy. Our brains can use the acetate that alcohol is broken down into as fuel. Chronic heavy drinkers will show elevated acetate levels for about 24 hours after their last drink. So if you are a daily drinker, you always have a bunch of acetate floating around in your brain. Besides being used for energy, acetate can also be converted into adenosine, which makes us feel sleepy. Adenosine acts as a nervous system depressant, and adenosine levels will naturally rise during the day as part of our circadian rhythm so that we feel tired at night and go to sleep. When someone's trying to quit drinking, they all of a sudden have a lack of acetate for energy and a lack of adenosine for sleep and relaxation. So this can lead to exhaustion, anxiety, and trouble sleeping, which are all things that might make someone go back to drinking. When we consume caffeine, it blocks multiple adenosine receptors. The A1 adenosine receptor makes us feel sleepy when it's activated, and caffeine blocks this receptor, allowing us to feel alert and energized. It also blocks the A2A receptor, which allows caffeine to increase dopamine levels in the brain, which is stimulating and mood enhancing. So that's why we enjoy drinking caffeine, because it prevents us from feeling sleepy, so it delays our natural cycle, and it also stimulates us and increases dopamine levels. Like with all drugs, the issue is that the brain gets desensitized to it and we stop getting the effects that we're chasing. The A1 receptor doesn't get desensitized, so you will keep feeling awake from coffee. But unfortunately, the A2A receptor does get desensitized. So caffeine stops boosting dopamine levels in the brain, and it stops being stimulating. And that's the feeling that you're chasing when you are starting to drink a lot of caffeine. So then you start drinking more caffeine to try to get the same effects, but this actually causes dopamine levels to decrease. So then we're drinking caffeine just to bring ourselves up to baseline. And this is a lot like alcohol, where we feel anxiety from withdrawal, so then we drink to cope with the anxiety that was caused by all the alcohol. Caffeine tolerance builds up fast, and it's kind of similar to alcohol tolerance. Just one cup of coffee a day is enough to increase your tolerance. And similarly with alcohol, having more caffeine only works for so long. Eventually, more caffeine won't give you more alertness or energy or that little stimulating buzz. Just like more alcohol doesn't equal more pleasure, happiness, and stress reduction. I talked about this limit of how much alcohol provides us with positive effects in episode 108. When we drink alcohol, it interacts with our GABA receptors, which causes brain activity to slow down, making us feel relaxed and calm. But what we learned in my previous episodes about anxiety, episodes 22 and 64, when we drink regularly, the brain adapts to this. 
so it reduces the number of GABA receptors, so it's harder for alcohol to promote relaxation. And when we stop drinking, less GABA receptors means the normal process of regulating brain activity is also disrupted. The other way the brain adapts is by releasing extra glutamate, which is a neurotransmitter that speeds up brain activity. So this and less GABA receptors leads to a bunch of increased anxiety when you try to stop drinking. So then we end up not really drinking because it makes us feel relaxed, but drinking because it brings our brain activity back to normal levels. So we drink to come back to baseline, not for positive effects anymore, but just to avoid the negative effects. And the same thing actually happens with caffeine. When you drink caffeine regularly, your brain adapts by increasing the number of adenosine receptors to try to maintain a balance between feeling alert and feeling tired. When you have more adenosine receptors, that means that it's easier for adenosine to bind, so you feel tired easier than before. So it takes more caffeine to block these extra receptors and promote feelings of alertness. So now you're drinking more caffeine to try to get the same effects. And just like with alcohol, caffeine addiction is not about how much you're consuming, but how it makes you feel and how it affects your life. So if you try to drink less coffee and you can't, or you have withdrawal symptoms when you try to stop, or you're drinking more caffeine than you intended and you experience cravings for it, then you might be struggling with caffeine addiction. There are some arguments that you should avoid all caffeine in recovery. So the reason for this is that in recovery, we already feel anxious and uncomfortable. So drinking something that makes us feel jittery and hyped up isn't going to help that situation. Lots of people who struggle with alcohol also have a co-occurring mental health condition like anxiety. And we know that coffee and anxiety don't really mix. Plus, being over-caffeinated can mimic symptoms of anxiety. And another argument is about insomnia. Struggling to sleep in the beginning is really common. And what you can expect for your sleep from when you first stop drinking up to two years of sobriety is something I covered in episode 75 if you want all the details. But if you're already having trouble sleeping and then you have a bunch of caffeine, then it's not really helping you. And like always, every episode that I reference is going to be listed in the show notes so that you can remember what I said. So in my opinion about caffeine, I'd say just do whatever works for you. Whenever I see recommendations for newly sober people to cut out all sugar and caffeine, it just makes me tune out. It's really unrealistic for most people. It's hard enough to stop drinking. So the best recommendation I have for you is just focus on not drinking. Often people will say, I'm not drinking, I'm also going to quit smoking, and I'm also going to stop having sugar, and I'm going to start working out, and they want to do like this whole health journey. Just don't drink. And then when you're good with that, then you can add one more thing. And then when you're good with both of those things, you can add a third thing. But when we try to do too much, we get overwhelmed and then we just quit. If you notice that your caffeine intake has some negatives for you, then you can start to be more mindful of it and try to decrease the amount you're consuming. But you don't have to say you're going to cut out all caffeine forever or do like a 30-day challenge where you don't have any alcohol, caffeine, sugar, unhealthy food. Just do one thing. 
So sometimes I have two coffees and it's totally fine. And sometimes I even have two coffees and a bunch of sugar at night and that's also fine. So think about whatever works for you, whatever works for your journey, and I will talk to you next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.